The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, welcome to another edition of Roundball Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me, yep, on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is Hoopball Presentation, so check out Hoopball on Twitter at HoopballTweets, online hoop-ball.com. Listen, y'all, it's been a bit, it's kind of stop-start. I'm not going to lie, you know, got my computer back uh, from last show earlier this week, and then I just was under the weather. Just under the weather, so I wasn't able to really get anything going, but I am back, happy to be here, and joined by my friend, Anarud. Anarud, how you doing, man? Doing good. How are you? You know, man, I am I am okay. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty peachy right now. I'm happy to have you on, and what we're going to do is the first of what's going to be a weekly thing between the two of us, where we will be doing power rankings of all the teams. We're in week four now. Yep, we're in week four. I had to second guess myself there. We're in week four now. Um, you still need a little more time, obviously, to get like a proper like team by team kind of order going. Don't want to jump too far into conclusions, but we have just enough yet to start doing a, a framework of it. So we're gonna do this this one in tiers. Um, it should be a lot of fun, you know, contenders, kind of playoff teams, play-in teams, and the bottom feeders. Something really loose in general. Should be a lot of fun to do that and try to touch on just as many teams as we have here. But um, before we start with that, we do have just not even really news. It's kind of news. Uh, just stuff I really want to bring out and talk with Root here about. First off, Alex Caruso. Um, this is according to, uh, well, it's right there on J.J. Reddick's podcast, The Old Man of the Three. But he confirms that he would have taken less to re-sign with the Lakers. But he hints at the low ball offer that they end up making him. And he goes out, like I said, on J.J. Reddick's Old Man of the Three. He says that, when free agency arrived, you know, the Lakers didn't make him a compelling offer. Uh, I'm going to read his quote. He says, so going into it, I really didn't know what to expect. And I really didn't expect to hear much from any team, including the, I didn't, I really didn't hear much from any team, including the Lakers leading up to 6 p.m. And then they called and the Lakers made their offer. And it was an offer I was going to accept because I was going to get considerably more money from another team, he revealed. Like we just said, a player hasn't had a lot of decision-making power, fought for a job. Essentially, 30 teams told me they didn't think I was going to play in the NBA for two or three years. I need to get as much money. This is real life we're talking about. I need financial security for me, for my people. So we already understood that. Like, if he Lakers had made a great offer, fine, he'd be there. Um, he goes on. He says, I got on the phone with AK, um, Arturis Karnasovas, and with Billy Donovan. And the way they were talking about how they wanted to play, how they saw me as a player, I thought they hit the nail on the head. I thought everything they said, I was like, I think that's accurate. I think it's what I bring to the table. I think it's how I can help the team win. I think it's a decision this team wants to go. I thought there was a need for other stuff, for the stuff that I had. So essentially, we got that offer, went back to L.A., asked if they could do the same. They said no. Asked for something else a little bit less. They said no. I said, okay, if that's what it comes down to, I'm ready to go to Chicago and start the next chapter. And this is where things get really, like, annoying for me specifically as a Lakers fan, but just in general, I'd imagine for anyone. Reddick then offered a guess as to what the Lakers initially offered Caruso, 
and they asked the Bulls guard to blink once if his guess was over what they were willing to pay and twice if it was under. The guess was two years and 15 million, and Caruso blinked once. That is crazy. If they were only willing to go as high as Ramona Shelburne reported at seven million per year, that is insane. Yeah, like Caruso, I think, has just been, aside from his, like, cult hero status in L.A., he's a really solid guard. Yes. Uh, obviously a bench guard, but provides a really nice defensive presence. He's one of the better perimeter defenders for his size, and he just kind of does timely things. Like, he's a good cutter. He's, his shot's getting better. He's not obviously a guy you're going to, like, run your offense through, but he's just such a solid role player, and he was a key part of, like, why that L.A. defense was good last year. And now you're seeing L.A., what happens when you get rid of guys like him, Kuzma, KCP, just, like, it makes no sense. And then the whole thing with, like, wanting to keep Horn Tucker over him, I don't know. I would have kept Caruso. But it feels weird just, like, make such a low offer, especially when the guy wants to be there and is willing to take less than what he's been offered elsewhere. It's just, it's not a good look. Yeah, no, it really isn't. I mean, I get the Lakers, you know, obviously focusing more on financial flexibility, um, not going crazy into the tax, which doesn't make any sense because you're a championship contending team. Like, that's kind of a prerequisite. But in either event, that's that's what they did. Um, they really, I think the most money they paid, what, was to their top three guys, LeBron, AD, then Russell Westbrook, and then you have uh, the mid-level exception basically for Kendrick Nunn, and then everyone else on vet minimal contracts. So you do have some... Like, like you see where the money went for LA, but the fact that they weren't able to bring or even go a little bit further for someone. Oh, my fault. I'm mentioning the biggest guy that they basically chose between Taylor Horn Tucker, my mistake, but the fact that they went and said, you know, we like what Alex Caruso brings. We don't like it enough, but, and I get it. Taylor Horn Tucker is, is younger, but like, you're basically hoping that Taylor Horn Tucker could be anything close to what um, Caruso already provides. And I just don't think that makes a whole lot of sense, especially when, like, right now, as we're recording, uh, this is the 10th of November, the night of that we're recording this, the Lakers are in a dogfight with Miami, meaning the exact type of qualities that Caruso brings to the table, while Caruso just helped the Bulls go 8-3 and three now with the win over the Mavericks. Talk about that in a minute. But the point being, I just don't understand being fiscally, fiscally uh I don't know, penny-pinching tight? I don't even know the word. It's like the opposite of fiscally responsible, but it's like because they didn't want to spend money. But they're doing that for a player that was actually integral to some of the success. Yeah, it's just the Lakers are a bit of a mess right now, and we'll get into that later. But Oh, man, I know. They something balling out with the Bulls, and they use him a lot better. I think he's getting a lot more chance to show up there. So good for him especially a guy who's – was he a second-round pick or was he undrafted? I can't remember. Undrafted. Undrafted. Yeah, I think he was on the OKC Blue for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a guy like him, just to get to the point where he can kind of be in charge of his future, it's good for him, and I hope him the best. But LA's missing him right now. Yeah, yeah. No, they they, they, they really are missing him in a major way as well. And uh, the same piece of news real quick, we'll talk about this as well a little bit more. But, yeah, apparently, according to uh, – well, he's he is everywhere. And, honestly, like, power to him for that because I just don't – in the world of NBA reporting, 
uh, this guy being an author and just coming out of nowhere being just really good. Jake Fisher, not really coming out of nowhere, but, uh, but just with the sneaky scoops. And he uh, came out just a little bit ago as recording tonight saying that uh, David Griffin's job is on the brink. And yeah, we, we kind of already knew this. I mean, the, 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 the writing's been on the wall for a second here, but the little anecdote that he shares, I think, is especially funny. Um, he talks about like basically an exchange between uh, Griffin and Alvin Gentry that happened this past week. Uh, everyone who listens probably knows Alvin Gentry and Griffin worked together during this, the Steve Nash Phoenix era. Uh, Griffin was already coaching the New Orleans Pelicans when, or not Griffin, um, Gentry was already coaching the New Orleans Pelicans when Griffin came over in 2019. Uh, and then Griffin fired Gentry after one year. Uh, now, this this whole argument kind of stemmed from a really interesting report that came out in September from NOLA.com, which basically um, indicated that Griffin would tell other team staffers uh, that, you know, Gentry was floundering, but he wasn't sure why, because Gentry was, Griffin was giving Gentry, quote, the answers to the test. Um, and so Griff, Gentry didn't forget that. Griffin tried to say hello to Gentry. Gentry basically told him to forget himself, whatever the case may be. They had a little back and forth where Griffin said that the words from the article weren't true. And then Gentry responded with his own words, saying that basically uh, Stan Van Gundy, who Griffin hired to replace Gentry, only finished one year in New Orleans and only finished one game better. So then Gentry fired back one in just an all-time great comeback line, which is, you must not have given Stan the answers to the test either. Uh, and apparently the two men had to be physically separated. Just, just it's, it's, it's funny because it's a mess, but, like, it's also funny. Like, I read that and I was like, <laughs> like, I couldn't help but laugh at Anarud. It was just something else. Yeah, the team was just in a mess. I went to the uh, Mavs versus Pelicans game, and, God, it was just, it was bad to watch. I mean... <laughs> Yes, they're missing Brandon Ingram and Zion, but that team isn't constructed right. And just in general, it doesn't feel like they have a lot of energy with them. Like they had some good moments in that game, but it's kind of just like, hey, Valentinus, go get us a bucket because you're the one guy who can kind of score. Mm -hmm. And in general, like I think Willie Green, it's a rough situation to be a first time coach and be thrown into a situation where your best players aren't even available. Kind of like what would happen with Silas last year in Houston. Mm-hmm. But that team is a mess. And I think there's been one consistent factor for the last couple of years, and that's been Griffin. And every time you fire a coach, all you're doing is making it more clear that maybe the problem is you. Like the first <laughs> time it's okay, but after three different coaches – and you're still this bad, yeah, the problem's probably you. Yeah, exactly. You said it. And it's like, it, it's it's after a while, you just run out of fingers to point to, and then you find that all those fingers are pointing at you. And and then the blame is there. And, and now, for, I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, however you look at it, like, we are there, you know? Like, this is this is it. This It's running, it's looking bad for just Griffin, and it's really a, t- a testament or more of an indictment on the team construction uh, abilities or rather inability that he put uh, on display uh, the Pelicans being one in 11 as they are not looking great uh, without Zion for a while uh, without Ingram for the last six games looks like going to be more they were losing those games even with Ingram but they were a lot more respectable now they're just getting like just embarrassed out here uh, occasionally it's, it's just it's just not a good look altogether we'll talk about them for sure in a minute but yeah man rough 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 well that's just the, the latest little update that we have here uh, before we go into this power rankings but 
I have to ask you as, as, as the recurring guest, Your Honor, where do you want to start at the top or at the bottom? I think let's just start with the bottom, get some of the teams out of the way. We can talk about some of the rookies. And I think the top is where it's going to get interesting. So, okay. Wait for a little bit. There we go. Well, I'm going to let you, sir, go and start off at the bottom. Let's bring out the teams you have there and, and let's bring them out. Let's go into them. So, I think the bottom is just kind of like a four team tier of the obviously tanking teams. So you have OKC, the Magic, the Rockets, and the Pistons. And I think the worst team out of that bunch is probably the Pistons. But mm-hmm. it's it's so close between all of them. Like, I think OKC is just a little bit above all of those just because they have Shea, but they're all kind of – we know what they are. They're not great teams. No, they, they really aren't. Like you said, it's pretty clear. All these teams are rebuilding, so it's not like a surprise in terms of where they are. Um, at the same time, it's – I don't know. I, I, I When you said that the Pistons are probably the worst team, I'm almost tempted to say the Rockets. Why do you say the Pistons? So I think, like, first of all, the gap between the two is pretty much the exact – like, they're – they're probably kind of the same, but um, I think with the Pistons, their offense is just so bad right now that, yeah. like right now, if uh, they have they're at like a ninety five point six points per hundred possessions, that would be the seventh lowest since the three point line was ever put in to the NBA. Wow! And when you have a guy like Cade your whole thing is you want to space the floor so you can give them room to operate. And right now they're not shooting at all. They're, they're have some of the worst just spacing in the NBA and yeah, probably some of it will go up with like city Bay hitting some of his threes and mm-hmm. some other guys start to step up a little bit, but that team's just kind of a mess. And it's also weird just because that Jeremy Grant and you don't know what they're going to do with him. Is this going to be the year they move him or, is he just going to be there, and are they going to put the ball in his hands and kind of let Cade go to waste? But I think it's them and Houston are probably, like, the two worst, and then it's the Magic and OKC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, personally, for me, I – I mean, you made a compelling point. Detroit's offense, from what I have looked at, it has been horrific, so there is that. Houston's just been rough, though. I mean, as, as fun as they look and as close to some games they've had, I look at that Lakers game most specifically. Um, I, I just think, what, the Rockets, the, their their offense, is, it's just as bad. I mean, you said it. There's not really a clear line of demarcation between these teams, but the Pistons are 20. I mean, the Rockets are 28th offensively. Their starting lineup averages 81 points per 100 possessions. That's 20 fewer than any other of any of the 11 other lineups that have played at least hundred minutes. Like it's just not a good squad. And you already have issues with Christian Wood um, kind of being in and out. He kind of recommitted his desire to kind of, or he reiterated his commitment with the Rockets rather, but like he looked disengaged, clearly not a part of the offense. You're getting a lot of shots put up by um, Kevin Porter Jr. And Jalen Green, but you're not necessarily getting a lot of shots that go in. You have guys who just aren't that kind of offensive weapon, like Jay Sean Tate definitely is weird. And defensively, I mean, I guess I give them credit defensively. They're 19 the defensive rating. So that's not horrible. But yeah, I definitely think both those teams deserve to take up the rear there. Um, I mean, their biggest problem right now is the fact that they keep turning over the ball. 
their what yeah. was ninety percent turnover percentage. Like yes, that's that's a, their that's... biggest thing, and it's a young team, so you know, especially your guards with Jalen Green and Kemp Ford Jr. It's just going to be a struggle for a long time if they're going to keep turning over the ball like this. Mm-hmm. That is a significant percentage, exactly. And you're right; like even though those shots are just inefficient shots jacked up, that's better than not getting the shots at all. You know, it's just. Just not a good, not a, not a good look. For, and it's a young team, so it makes sense. Um, I almost wish that like, um, and they're not in, but like Josh Christopher and Usman Garuba would get more time. Yeah, I, I thought Usman would get some minutes just because he is a defender, and they probably want him as like some play some small ball five and just kind of be a presence. But if they're gonna put the ball, I don't even know what they're doing right now at this point. So if they don't want to just let. Kevin Porter Jr. and uh, Jalen Green just run the show, then I guess that's it. Mm-hmm. Josh Christopher, I think he's the kind of guy that might want to spend a little time in the G League just to get his legs under him for a little bit and get more comfortable before he starts stepping in, but he'll be a solid guard, I think. Yeah, yeah, I definitely I, – I have hope for him for sure. Um, as someone – I mean, I was fortunate to be able to um, – kind of look at him a little bit in depth and then uh be part of um pd web streams kind of breaking down some of the prospects so that was really kind of cool to do and you know i at first i was a lot more down on him i definitely learned a lot from um pd in terms of how to look at him in a more positive manner and what he could project to be in a, in a positive offensive role um defensive energy and effort is around there he definitely has laps of inactivity but like that's something that he can kind of grow and shore up for sure so yeah i uh, and right there with you in terms of him maybe not being ready right now. And this is all for a lot of guys. I just feel like at the same time, you know, you're playing minutes for, you know, DJ Augustine and um, giving them to um, Eric Gordon. And like, yes, these guys are big. Like, I mean, in terms of like, they're not just sitting at the end of the bench just to be glued there. They have some veteran leadership to offer and they can still play as well. But like that could be going to the young guys because guess what? You're not winning either way. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you. I always thought Josh Christopher was kind of like a Jalen Green light almost. Yes, I agree. I was thinking that when – okay, did you think that when you're watching when suddenly when the two played together in the backcourt? Like, yeah. Like, Jalen – Josh Christopher looked good at Summer League, and they kind of play similar. I think Yeah. Josh Christopher also plays a little bigger than Jalen Green. He's more physical, and you can kind of see he has a little bit of that edge to him. But Mm -hmm. I think – and they're long-term friends already. Time. Yeah. So no, I, I completely agree with you. There's a lot there um, that, that 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 where that shows similarity. So that's kind of cool. But um, we got the Pistons, we got the Rockets. You mentioned the Magic. I'm gonna throw another team that I think should be in there as well. Um, the Pelicans. They, yeah. They, so the uh, only reason I didn't put the Pelicans here was just because they're not trying to tank at least. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And these four teams are just separate because they are like, they know what they are. The Pelicans are trying to compete. They just suck at it. <laughs> Which is more tragic. So, yeah. yeah. You know what? Let's, let's actually, we'll go, we'll go to them then in a second. Let's go back to um, the magic real quick. Did you have any like overlying thoughts on them aside from just how cool Cole Anthony is? Yeah. I mean, so Jalen sucks has been struggling for a bit and Coming into the league, his offense was always going to be a little bit of a question. We knew he was going to be a great guard defender, and we knew he can throw some good passes and just be like a 
almost like a Drew Holiday light where he's just kind of not the guy you give the ball to and run your offense through, but can just kind of keep things moving along. Mm-hmm. Even at Gonzaga, the, he didn't have to run the offense too much. He had other guards with him, and they had just a solid roster around him. But he's been struggling a little bit. Cole Anthony, like, if if this shooting is real, yeah, then he's going to be great. And he's going to be a fantastic guard, combo guard. But he's always been kind of this uh, inconsistent shooter. So it's going to take some time to see how much of it is real. But even Cole Anthony, like, I don't see him as being really, like, this, like, starting guard for uh-huh. them. No. I think he's going to be, like, a great six-man type of guy on a good team. Yeah. But for the Magic, he's just a good bright spot. And Franz Wagner has been great for them. I loved him coming out of the draft. I thought he was just a smart defender, kind of a glue guy, similar to like a Kyle Anderson almost. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. he's been pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't as high on Franz as you were. I really wanted the magic to go for Moses Moody. But like having seen how he's played, I will admit I was wrong. Like, And that's no indictment on Moody. It's just that Franz has been, like you said, exactly what you said in terms of a player comp and a type of role. A glue guy fills in the gaps, shows a little bit of shooting, a little bit of de- a little bit of all of it, and, and it's good to it's 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 good to see. So definitely with you there. Um, thoughts on Jalen Suggs? It has definitely been a rocky start for him. Yeah, I think in the beginning mm-hmm. you could kind of tell a game was a little too fast for him, and mm-hmm. he is getting better. Um, I think he does have a pretty good first step, and he might be able to get off the dribble a little better. But we have yet – like, he's never been this great shooter. So, if his shooting can get up a little bit, he can probably be a solid guard. And a lot of his passing, like in Gonzaga, he was much more of a transition passer as opposed to, like, a half-court kind of guy. Mm -hmm. So, it's a little – not too concerning because it's still really early. But with the whole logjam of guards they have back there, it's just going to be – Strange to see Jalen Suggs and Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton, all these other guys trying to fight for minutes. Yeah, I, I just don't. You're right. Like in the future, it's going to be a log gym. And that's to say nothing of just their guys in general. I mean, don't forget they have to welcome back Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz back into the fold. Yeah. No easy task. So, I mean, no easy task for a team that has a lot of um, issues there. Um, well, I guess we're talking about one more rebuilding team, and that's the Thunder. They've been surprisingly mm-hmm. feisty. I'm Do you sorry? want to talk about the Thunder as a Lakers fan? Listen, listen, listen. Anarud, I'm just – I was going to say they've been surprisingly feisty with three wins. I was going to go into who they beat, okay? <laughs> I really don't want to go into it, I think, and you for obvious reasons. But, like, I think that there is something to be said, <laughs> without talking about the Lakers, about how well – Shea Gilgis-Alexander has played, and not only him, but you've had great moments from Josh Giddy. You've had good defense from Lou Dort. You've just had a uh, big guy step up, uh, Jeremiah Robinson-Earl. Like, some guys have just come and played in huge spots down the stretch. I mean, they had a really good win against the Spurs as well. Um, that I, That is something I will bring up. And I just think that, yeah, they're going to be a bad team. Obviously, they're going to be toward the bottom. But, like, they have some scrappy young guys that play hard, and they're not making it easy. Yeah, I think they're a really well-coached team. And even though it's like they make the right decisions, they do a lot of good things on the floor. Some of the guys just can't hit shots like Poku. I don't know what he is at this point. But Shea is the real deal. Like, that's a guy who's going to be an all-star soon. And 
definitely deserving of the max. I'm pretty sure the Lakers have a poster with him at this point. If not, of that logo shot that he took. <laughs> but damn, like that sucked. I did not like that. It's a level of stones to take that with time left on the clock when all you had to do is dribble and you just say, Oh, I felt it. Like I felt like that was good. Like, like the level, that was a demoralizing backbreak. Like just type of shots that you say absolutely not to take, but then when it goes in, it's like, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah, I think OKC is the kind of team that you just don't want to take lightly when you're playing against them and take it easy because they're going to fight and they're going to play hard. But eventually we all know what this team is going to do. They're going to try to tank. They're probably going to shut down Shea at some point. But uh, I think Giddy has been really good so far. He has. Um, back in the draft, I thought he was kind of like – I called him the Harry Potter of basketball. Interesting. And the reason why is, like, his passing is phenomenal. She's great. He's a great passer. Um, I thought he could kind of be, like, potentially like a Lonzo Balls type of player mm-hmm. where he's this great passer and he's just kind of this glue guy on offense. And it's kind of what he's been doing for the Thunder. They have all these long – athletic kind of wings almost like Shea is not really a guard he's more of a wing mm-hmm. and Giddy is a six eight passer and if he can get his shots uh, his shooting to improve and be at least a passable defender he, he'll be a great player I think being like a Lonzo Ball like I think people give Lonzo a lot of crap but he's a solid player yeah and he's he's a very important key player for like if you he's the type of guy you would want on your team. He's not a guy you want you're running your offense, but just that glue guy that's going to be constantly moving things along and just be making the right plays. Exactly. No, he's someone like you said who it, it just, he plugs in the gaps and he keeps the ball going, keeps possession rolling, and that's something you need a player like that. You absolutely need a player like that to also make sure they're able to keep things moving along in a, in a, in a, in a good smooth fashion. So that definitely makes a lot of sense there, but yeah, like you said, they're, they're going to be a bad team. And if they, if they set um, SGA, like that's a plus five losses, you know? Yeah. They're probably going to set the record for the most 30 point losses this season. Some point later in the year. Wow. But it's just, they can't score. No, a lot of their guys like it's it's really a lot on Shea just to kind of be the guy that's running everything. Mm-hmm. Like Lou Dort has been improving as a scorer, which I love, but he's obviously not a guy that's kind of like going to get you a bucket at any point. Shea's kind of their only guy who can do that. Kenrich Williams needs to be traded to a contender. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's. Um, he's fortunately not going to be like he's not going to make them too good. You know, but at the same time, I definitely agree with you. He definitely is someone that like would do well. Um, just helping another team, that you want yeah, team. exactly. You know, uh, like what a ninth, tenth man, tenth, eleventh man, yeah, tenth, eleventh. So, you want to move sure. to the next tier? Yeah, let's get into your next tier. And this, I imagine, is just teams that are trying to win but suck, yeah, like a play in kind of area. Um, yeah, let's start with the Pelicans, who I think are the worst out of this entire group. Oh, uh, yeah, they, they, they clearly are. Let's let's bring them up. I was hoping you bring up the Mavs, but no, I'm kidding. All right, Pelicans. Um, Whoa. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I just wanted to – listen, you gave me a, a shot at the Lakers. That was warranted, so I had to respond with an unwarranted right. and also okay. inaccurate shot at the, at the Mavericks. 
Mavericks. <laughs> Whatever. I get. I tried it. Anyways, okay. Pelicans one and nine, twenty fifth in offensive rating, twenty eighth in defensive rating, um, twenty ninth in net rating. They're horrible. Um, uh, Zion Williamson's out. Although I guess he will get more scans on his foot in a couple of weeks. Brandon Ingram could be back uh, after missing last four games of the hip contusion. Um, but they don't really do anything well. They don't score well, obviously. They don't defend. Um, each of their last five opponents have shot better than 50% from the field. Uh, combined to shoot 65% in the paint. Like, the Pelicans go. They dress. They, you know, do warm-ups. They play the game. They lose the game. They go on the plane. They rinse, wash, and repeat. Yep. I yeah, honestly I don't mean, even know what to say about other than that. The only story here is pretty much Zion and Brandon Ingram. And even yeah. Brandon Ingram, it's a hip injury. Like, you just hope he recovers and he'll probably be back. But it's not like he's going to carry this team and get them into a play in here. They're still really bad. The biggest thing is Zion. And I saw how he looked, and he does not look good. He's clearly out of shape. Yeah. And I don't expect it to, like, change anytime soon. Like, he might be medically cleared to play, but I don't think he's going to look like Zion that we saw last year until later in the season. Yeah, and it's a shame because by later in the season, I mean the Pelicans. We already said, well, actually, yeah, they're one in ten now. I forgot after losing, like they—they're just—they're not—they're not a good team without those guys. And 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 by the time Zion gets here, do, let me ask you this: If you're David Griffin, well, I guess the answer is obvious there. If you're David Griffin, but if you're the executive of the Pelicans. You get him to come back. You get um, the return of Zion, let's say January. Let's say you're sitting at like one and, or let's say three and 24 or whatever, three and 26, probably not even the right math by that point of the season. Do you even play him? I, mean, I think you kind of have to just to get him in shape. <sighs> you need him to do something on the floor just to like get an idea of how do you want to build around him. Because the longer he stays out, the less of a chance you have of actually figuring out what to do. True. I would argue that the blueprint to build around Zion has been there. You know, the same way you do most of these gravity guys who can finish around the rim, but also, you know, initiate offense, like surround them with like shooters, surround them with space, shooters and defenders, you know, another ball handler up the court, of course, but like someone to like, like decrease pressure release pressure from him they do the exact opposite they bring guys that constrict the floor you know come with defenders in in their title but maybe not the way that they play i just don't understand it like i feel like the blueprint though is fairly like obvious wouldn't you agree yeah it's just how much can zion actually play on the floor like my biggest thing is like when he's played he's been great but how much can he actually sustain over time? Like, can he play a full game or does he have to be kind of limited throughout the game, just kind of ramped up throughout the season? There's just a lot of concerns with him. And I think just not being able to play him is just going to make that even worse. Just not getting enough information on him. Like, sure. We can say that like getting the right shooters around him and everything will be great. But if he's the kind of guy that won't be able to play a full game, mm-hmm. then there's no point in really trying to put the right team around him. We just still need to figure out what Zion is as a player. Like yeah. he had that one good year, but we don't. There's still a lot of information that we needed. 
No, that makes sense. I see what you mean. Like in, in order to go, yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. I, I will agree with you on that. I just, I don't know how you, how do you fix this? I mean, uh, you get Zahn back. This year's a wash. This year's over. You, you get Zahn back. Okay. Like you're playing him, like you said, to see what's a good fit. But even then I think it's flawed because guess what? You don't have the players to prove what's a good fit. You know what I mean? I can tell you for a fact, it's not the guys that are on the court right now. It's not the guys that are on the roster right now, right? Like I just, and then Brandon Ingram, I I don't know. It's like starting from the ground up again. What I would do is what college basketball started this week. Tune in. (laughs) Can, can, can Powell, Banchero and uh, Zion play together? We shall see. No, I'm fine. I also think the answer is no to that question. We'll say that for If it's going to be another draft pick. Oh God. Oh, it happened. Why would Zion even stay at this point? Dude, I'm, I'm about to say, do you think he picks up the qualifying offer? (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a lot of money, but... Exactly. No, I think he stays, I but I think no he demands... Hmm? He'll probably threaten a trade, kind of go like the Porzingis route, where he won't actually take a qualifying offer, or he will, like, threaten to not take it, or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just... That team's a mess, and with all this Griffin stuff, like... He's the clear problem at this point. Like, but even if he gets moved, I don't know what else another GM can do. Like, yeah, sure. If we get Daryl Warrior, like he'll probably figure out how to clean some stuff up. But overall, this team's just not in a good position right now. No, exactly. Their long-term future it does not look great. Um, and if you're trying to, I mean, they it is that's sad because they still have a variety of assets from both the Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday trade. You just don't trust they're gonna cash in um the way that they should, you know. Um, and the fact that if they do cash in by the time they cash in, the guys they may have been trying to build around their last iteration may no longer be around to even make a difference. So, you know, you, those, those pieces may, instead of being, uh, used to uh, accentuate the guys that they already have on the roster, they may be new building blocks for the next rebuild that the Pelicans have to go under, which would just be a shame. Yeah. All right. So we got Pelicans in addition to those, that those teams, uh, we got to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves, and we got to talk about the San Antonio Spurs, uh, who I have in similar tiers. I have the Minnesota Timberwolves worse because, of course, uh, they've just been a weird team as of now. Uh, three and what? Three and six. Twenty um, seventh offensive rating. Uh, actually, surprisingly stout with defensive rating, and yet they have not been a good second half team. They've been outscored after halftime in seven of their eight games so far. Um, it's been rough. It's been rough. Uh, the drop-off has been equal on both ends. They just, they play the first half great, jazzed up, fired to go. They come back and, and whatever uh, was working for them just isn't working anymore. How many years has it been since the Wolves, usually the first two weeks, they start off great, everyone's really hopeful, and then immediately it comes crashing down? Is I feel like, like the third year row has been like that? Yeah, it's it feels like a regular thing. That and um, I would say an Eastern Conference equivalent would probably be the um, the Magic. Although the Magic, at least some they 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 start off hot, they sink down, and then they at least kind of find like this base level, you know? Yeah, that's not something you can I think say. Like, I was watching some of the Minnesota games, and who is it that they played just recently? Where Cat hit that buzzer beater at the end. Um, the Clippers, the Grizzlies. Grizzlies. Did you go to overtime where they lost. Yeah, 
a lot of their offense is just kind of like your turn, my turn. We'll just give it to D'Lo or Edwards and just kind of let him, them go. And Cat will be sitting on the wing or he'll be in the corner or he'll be in the post just waiting for someone to pass it to him. And they'll just be like, Edwards, hey, go get us a bucket. Or D'Lo, go get us a bucket. Yeah. The team just doesn't seem right. Um, Jill McDaniels is good. I hope that he gets more time and he gets if he improves his shot, he'll be a lot, he'll be a really good player. He's a key part of why their defense is good. Mm-hmm. But this team is just still in that kind of like no man's land of not really good enough to get in the play in and not really bad enough to tank yet. Yeah. It's this weird stretch, which I feel bad because you look at a guy like Carl D. Towns, who, yeah. Like, he's not in his prime yet, but he's also, like, getting there, you know? I just don't know if a team with him, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Luke Beasley currently constructed works, and that sucks because, like, you saw how bad they were when Russell missed that stretch of games, right? But, like, the problem is they play better with Russell, and that's great, but, like, Russell as a point guard has clearly defined weaknesses that are pretty rough on a team that's trying to have any semblance of, like, really winning, you know? Yeah. And yet again, you're right. The, the Wolves look solid. They came out like this is going to be a different year. Their minds on the playoff spot. It's not over. The chance is very much still there, but, like, they're not off to a great start. And, like, what, Grizzlies, Warriors, Lakers, they, I mean, they lost to the Grizzlies, lost the Warriors, they have the Lakers, and they have the Clippers this week. Yeah, it's just they're going to struggle for some time. Yeah. Also, do you believe the story that Cat was hacked? Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Why 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 in the no, no way. No way. I, I think that he may have done accidentally. In terms of like liking things, like you know what I mean? Like you're you're I don't know, like you're scrolling down and you you liked it. You probably in the moment felt that way and then maybe you changed your mind. Like I definitely think that that could have been something similar. Um, at the same time, like, come on now. That's as likely as the Jay Williams one. Oh, yeah. You know, like, sure, Bob. That, that's literally my reaction to it. Sure, Bob. Like, all right, that sounds good, you know? Yeah. So, team, I think it's just going to take some time. Like, Edwards has been playing great. I like him, but you still see a lot of the weaknesses in that team overall defensively, like, Sure, their defensive rating might be good right now, but you can tell that they're not going to be this great defense, especially with Cat not being a solid defender yet. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it's, their yeah. two guards aren't exactly great defenders. Yeah, it's true. It's true, and it sucks, but it's – it's. I mean, in terms of their long-term outlook, I you just – it sucks. That's, that's that's literally all I got right now. I mean, right now I was recording with 33 seconds left. They're down 120 to 108. I'd say they lost to the Warriors because I was just saying it for because they're gonna lose. But like, <laughs> like it's not yet over, but it's over. And it's like, yeah, I just don't know. I think if you're if if you're the Wolves front office, Cat still a long term piece. I would think about moving him at this point. You think about moving him? All right. All right. Just because I think you can still get a lot back for Cat and I agree. build around Edwards a little more. Because I, I think the timeline is a bit off between the two. And at this point, like the more that Cat 
loses, it just doesn't make him look that good. And I'd rather just try to move off of him now when he still has some value. Yeah, get anything for him, like to, to kind of jumpstart that rebuild. Unless you can magically make the Spence Simmons deal happen with D'Lo and get him. But and do you think the Timberwolves would want to do that though? Because if you make the D if you make the D'Lo trade, then you're basically not ruining that, but you're you're breaking off the ideal version of like Towns. Um, what is what am I trying to say? You're breaking up the whole squad of, of Towns and and um, D'Angelo, and then possibly Ben Simmons. You know, I don't know. That's a I, I, that's a really good question. I I don't know. At this point, like, I'm not I saying I'm not that... saying I mean I, I would do it in a heartbeat. I'm not saying I'm that that's the bad decision. That's absolutely the right decision to do. I I think, in my opinion, I'm just basically asking like if you're coming from the Timberwolves perspective, that's something that you would do. I mean, if your thing is Towns wants to win, how much does that matter more than Towns' friendship with D'Lo? Like, I would think. Yeah, I see what you if mean. You can yeah, get them to be winning, then maybe it doesn't matter as much. But I don't know. It's just, it's a weird situation. And it is. They're struggling. No, you said it. it. It it most certainly is, and it's an unfortunate spot. But we'll see how Minnesota rebounds, or if they do, or if changes are indeed on the horizon. Um, what are the odds that a Ben Simmons trade to Minnesota still possible, or happens rather? It's possible right now. I don't know, like twenty percent. I don't even know what's going with Simmons at this point. It's a whole nother nightmare. I, I really have like nothing to say when I bring that. We'll, up we'll get to Philly. We will. In fact, let me kind of brush past some of these because I'm. We're going to be going all night on some of these teams. And honestly, we can give some more deep dive if we want to treatment to at another time. Um, let's go to your next stage. Or you have some more teams in this tier? Uh, it was just a Spurs. And I think the Spurs are kind of bland at this point. Like, we know uh, yeah. what they are. Yeah. And, and the fact that they're here isn't really a surprise because we thought they would be here too. Yeah. So, so my next tier is currently the Clippers, who, like, we know why they're here. They don't have Kawhi and Paul George looks great, but this team isn't just that sustainable yet until they get Kawhi. Um, the Cavs, the Hornets, the Kings, and the Pacers. All right. Well, what's the most interesting team for you to dive into? Because I have uh, basically a very similar tier there, and I agree with you. I think that the Cavs are – I think that the Cavs – I mean, they're a solid squad, but – I mean, the way they've been playing, but at the same time, <laughs> I mean – they're kind of middle of the pack. I think they have a great, I mean, what? Like, they're going to be a bad team. Let's just say that, right? But, like, at the same time, what? 10th in offensive like rating? they have a shot at making them play in, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've been really impressed. I don't really think it's impressed. likely, but they have a shot at it. Oh, very and much so. They've been pretty good. Mobley and uh, Allen have been great. weird. What was that? Mobley and Allen have been great. I was going to say, Ricky Rubio had a huge game against the Knicks a little bit ago. Keep No, keep talking, for sure. Like, I mean, what, yeah, like, I think what, it's huh? just like Larry Markin has not been good, and this weird thing where they're playing him at the three is just please stop. <laughs> you don't <laughs> like you don't like the zombie lineups. Three seven footers in a lineup is not. We don't need the triple towers. But no, no Mobley has been fantastic. Um, I mean, I was always really high on him, but. Just in general, him just being able to be this defensive monster at the starting off and being able to slide out on the perimeter, like 
I, there was a little bit of worry about how much you could play with Allen, but when you leave Allen to just protect the rim and Mobley, with how Mobley is just kind of being out on the perimeter and picking up guys, like he's just such a solid player that he's been good. And having Rubio as like kind of like a real backup point guard to Garland, and even though Sexton's not gotten off to a great start, they just have a solid team. I still think they need a real three because mm-hmm. I think um, who was their draft pick two years ago? Uh, what? Um, I what? Um, um, Isaac Akora. Akora, yeah. Coral, like I still think he's more of a two as opposed to a three. So really, hopefully they get someone who can actually fill in that spot and stop playing Lowry. But like a I defensive think, minded two, yeah, that makes like, sense. I don't know, Larry Nance. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I'm with you there. That makes sense there. In terms, of, I see what you mean. That makes sense. I, I, I agree. I think the Cavs have definitely shown some promise. I do feel bad that they're kind of a team that might make the playoff. They like they 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 could make the play in game but like it doesn't obviously look like they will you know but at the same time there's hope except that you're right they don't have a three i think that should be a priority and if they're a team that let's say is in the middle of the pack still or around this area come the trade deadline you know maybe they maybe they do go in and try to acquire a win like obviously it's not gonna be a great one but i'm just saying in a, in a trade or whatever the case may be maybe you figure out what's gonna happen with um maybe you figure out what's gonna happen with um with uh colin sexton and kind of go from there if you're not going to keep them or you're not thinking about keeping them, maybe you decide to, you know, get a, a, a wing prospect. I'm not sure who that would be at this moment. Maybe I'm looking at the Pelicans and some of the guys they have there. I don't know. Yeah, I think just Colin Sexton, they're probably going to move off of it at some point. But, yeah, they, they still need to get another wing in there. But I like what Mobley's given them so far. And Just overall, you can see the future with that team and see what they're building towards. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a team I have in this kind of tier two, Boston. Boston, okay. Uh, let, let's talk about that being the, the Dallas guy. I mean, they, they let up that just inexplicable game winner when they could have just fouled and, and not done that, but they did. Um, but not only that, before that, they had had a hurdle. Um, fourth quarter collapse at home against the Bulls. Um, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. They've been a roller coaster team. Like, they've beaten some of the teams that they should beat. Because they did um, end up beating um, Orlando, and then they end up taking Miami, which is, you know, a tough that was team. Great game against Miami. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a t- that was a chippy, tough game. Even when they then lost Jalen Brown um, for two weeks with his injury, so they they've had a little bit of um, some some back and forth here. But sorry, I'm, I have the game on the background and Russell Westbrook, baby. Woo! All right, sorry, my yeah, characteristic, but I think. <laughs> They've had the same problems that they kind of had the last couple of years, mm-hmm. especially when Gordon and Hayward was injured, is that their playmaking in general is just kind of weak, where Tatum is like, okay, but he's not as good as you'd ideally want him to be. Same thing with Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart is probably the best playmaker, and even Hayes not like a guy you want running your offense too much. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times where they just kind of devolve into – my turn, your turn between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And a lot of the times, like, their best actions have been just giving it to Al Horvath. He'll create something and hit find a cutter. And this team just – they can never seem to get it clicking at the same time. Like, you'll have some games where Tatum, like, finally starting to get his 
shots up and he's finally hitting them. I think overall there's a lot of stars in the league right now who are just struggling, not just him, but yeah, across Jalen the board. Brown, like some, yeah. And I think like Jalen Brown, he looks good some games, struggles some other times. It's just the team never feels like they have a clear vision of what they're trying to do, especially on offense. And then defensively, they just haven't been together. This was a team that kind of was built on defense and their offense was more about transition and just kind of we'll figure it out. But right now their defense is struggling as well. Even though Al Horford is playing like he's prime Ben Wallace, just blocking every shot. Mm-hmm. No, he is. I mean, I, it's been, it's definitely been interesting kind of watching how they have kind of gone back and forth, you know, the ebbs and flows. They have some really good games. They have some really bad games. They don't have, in my opinion, the type of natural, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, in my opinion, they don't have the type of playmakers. I mean, they got Dennis Schroeder playing now with the absolute Jalen Brown. And if he's your best playmaker, then that's not like a super great thing. They had Marcus Smart doing some more things, which like, okay. You know what I mean? Um, the guy, the playmakers in Jalen and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they just aren't there yet. Like it's still like a part of their game, but for them to just say, you know what, we're not going to set a point guard. We're going to give the leap over to these guys. We're going to, you know, go over to these guys and have them take the leap and just say, now's your time. It just hasn't obviously come to play. And Jason Tatum's shot profile has been pretty rough. According to um, um, Dan Favali, uh, he's downing 42% of his twos and 32% of his threes. Both of these would be career low marks. Um, he's converting just 50% of his looks at the rim. Like he's not been a great shot finisher and that's your top shot maker um, for Boston. So definitely interesting there. Yeah. And overall, I think their biggest problem right now is just lack of depth. And I think they also just don't have a real leader. Like Marcus Smart is probably the guy like we assume to be their leader, but there are times where it kind of just looks like they tune him out and I think they don't really have the guy that just kind of rallies them and gets them going at times. Like Marcus Smart tries, but they just seem really confused at times and not really connected. Like there are a lot of defensive plays I saw in the Dallas game where like, especially in the first quarter where Al Horford will be positioning and he'll be in the right place and he'll be directing people. And then people will just ignore him. And you'll have Tatum just like slide out instead of being in the position that Al was pointing out. And it's just kind of little things like that, that this team doesn't really feel connected yet. No, it, it really does. And it's, it's unfortunate, but I'm totally with you there. All right. What's in the next tier, my friend? Uh, do you want to go over the Hornets real quick? You know what? Yeah, let's go into them. Cause they've been a weird team. Um, I really think their biggest problem is obviously defense. I mean, the 28th in, in points allowed per possession, but like, I, I, that's just across the board, but like, what are your overarching thoughts on, on Charlotte? I think that they're a fun team that just defensively challenging, you know, that's the recipe for a good, bad team. <laughs> yeah. If there's one team that should just say, screw defense, go all in on offense, it's probably the Hornets because they're really good at just not turning over the ball. And Gordon Hayward has been really efficient for them. Miles Bridges, if this is real and he can be this go-to scorer, it's going to be fantastic for them. And they still haven't really had Terry Rozier be his, like, regular scoring form yet. Yeah, the and, guy who averaged 24-4 and four last season. And was pretty much, like, one of their best clutch players in the NBA last year. Just There were so many game winners that he hit. It felt like he kept hitting. And if this 
this team, like, if they figure it out on defense, they'll be solid, but they don't really have any good bigs. Like, their best lineups is with P.J. Washington or Miles Bridges at the five, as opposed to a guy like um, Mason Plumley or any of their other rookie backup bigs that they have. So this team wants to play up-tempo, but defensively, they don't really have an identity yet, and they don't really have it fully figured out. Like, last couple of years, I thought that uh, James Borrego had some solid defensive game plans, but this year just feels like they're kind of punting on defense, which I honestly kind of get. They're a fun team in offense, so just go all out. This was actually kind of broached on um, uh, Duncan and uh, Hollinger, but do you think that the Hornets made a terrible mistake not going after Rashawn Holmes, instead trying to use that money um, for uh, Miles Plumley and uh, Kelly Oubre? I thought they should have gone after Rashawn Holmes or Miles Turner. Those were the two guys I would have targeted. But, yeah, I think they need a solid big. Like, the small ball lineups are great, but you still need someone who can anchor a little bit more of that defense mm-hmm. and rope protection. I think Rashawn Holmes would have been fantastic. Uh, Miles Turner would have been great just as a poor spacing big who could also protect the rim. But I think they kind of thought that they might be able to get that in the draft, but obviously they did it. So we're going to have to see what this team will do. They might make try to make a move towards the trade deadline, but this team's just going to be a fun team that's not going to be that great. No, for sure. And that's, yeah, that, that, that's, that's kind of in the tier that they are going to fall in, which probably isn't the worst thing for a team that's still, I mean, they have, I don't know, Terry Rogier is definitely an established vet, what, 27, 26, 27, um, in his prime for sure, but he's also signed long-term. So no big deal there. You know, you still have a guy in Lamella Ball who's mad young. Miles Bridges is definitely going to be sticking around and going to be getting the bag totally. Like, that's probably not the worst place for them to be. It'd be nice if they can be for a playoff spot, but I'd actually be reassured if they don't get it because, like, I don't think that they're all the way there yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, they don't have all the pieces yet. And just kind of just establishing themselves and just getting everyone developed is probably a better place than, rather than pushing for the playoffs. But, yeah, I think this team is just going to be – a fun watch. They're probably the league pass favorite once again. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's not a bad place to be. They've given some entertaining games. Uh, you know who else I think has been entertaining? We're, we're going to, in the end, I'm putting in that San Antonio sphere. But I'd also like to bring up Sacramento um, and then Atlanta. Atlanta's been weird. I don't even want to say they've been fun. They've been, I, I did not think that they, for me, they've been what I expected because personally, I figured they, that this was like they kind of overachieved last season. That was my own personal opinion. But like compared to their own like hopes, I'm sure this is not where they want it to be. But let's talk about Sacramento first, which is actually the good uh, by comparison. Basically, sitting at 500, um, they dropped 140 on uh, Charlotte, the defense that we just talked about that wasn't very good. Um, but then they went and just put together just 91 uh, points against a a pretty rough Pacers team. Uh, now they have Phoenix and then San Antonio OKC, so they could easily be, um, you know seven and five uh by the end of this but eight and five or seven seven and six eight and five um one of those but what do you think first about sacramento and just their own um like how surprisingly fun they've been um and then you can like briefly if you want to talk about Atlanta, whichever team you want to give more attention to the floor is yours sir yeah i think with the kings like jared fox has been struggling so far but sean holmes has been great 
And Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald have been killing people right now. Yep. Anytime someone tries to help, they're punishing. And Tyrese Talburn's just this great glue guy. Davion Mitchell has been struggling a bit, especially as the guy like kind of trying to create offense. So we'll have to see how much that continues. Mm-hmm. But they're no longer one of the most like historically bad defenses. So that's a great improvement. But they're still not a great defense. No. And the biggest thing is like they've been somewhat competitive without Fox being good. So once Jaron Fox kind of gets his scoring under him, he'll probably they'll, this team will be a little feisty and they might get into the playing tournament. Yeah, yeah. I think that they will. And um, I did not think that going into the year, but like they have been, dare I say it, fun. Like I'm happy for Kings fans because they've had quite a few Kings fans who have been, when you, come on, you see it on NBA Twitter. I know quite a few personally, like just great, you know, great stewards of their team and have just had been met constant with disappointment. This might be the team to reach even the lowliest of heights would be just a great peak for them, you know? So hopefully that's something that can happen to them for sure. But um, any thoughts on Atlanta? Have they been disappointing for you? I mean, a little bit, but honestly, like, they have a bit of a tough schedule with the Nets, the Jazz, and the Suns. And their shot profile is just kind of weird. So their defense hasn't been really that good. Opponents are shooting really good free throws with them. And I don't think they're going to, like, fall apart yet. But they just kind of don't seem as engaged as last year. Mm-hmm. And I think Trey Young said the same thing, kind of to the same effect, that games are a little boring in the regular season and they're just not able to get up for them yet. But I think we'll probably figure it out a little bit. But obviously, like, when Nate McMillan took over last year, you saw the turnaround. The problem was that turn also just happened to be when all their guys started getting back. So we still have to see <laughs> whether how much of that was actually Nate McMillan or how much of it was just, hey, their guys are coming back. But yeah. this team will probably be a lot better towards the end of the year. I don't see they're going to be this bad, but it is a little bit concerning. It is. It is. I just, I don't know. I think that a playoff team for sure. Um, but they've they've had issues too. Clint Capella has not looked right. Now he doesn't look injured. He doesn't look injured. I want to say he doesn't look injured. He doesn't look anything wrong. He just doesn't look himself. Yeah, it just it feels like they're not flowing the same way as they did last year. Yeah, which yeah, and it, it's it, it's unfortunate. I think. Um, and Nikaias Duncan did a great piece. Well, it was more of a hypothetical trade uh, between Philadelphia and Atlanta for Ben Simmons. But, like, it does feel, and Nikaias did bring this out, it, it does feel like there needs to be a consolidation trade of sorts for uh, Atlanta. They just have too many young pieces. Yeah, they can't pay all of them. So I think they're a prime position to go after a guy like Bradley Beal or something where mm-hmm. they can just – they probably have the best trade offer for any of those where they can give up, like, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, or uh, Kevin Herter. Like, they just have a collection of guys, including, like, Jalen Johnson, who hasn't really played much yet. Yeah. They just have a lot of really young talent. Yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely there. Um, And it was so much so that Nate McMillan said that he might have to run all bench lineups. Unfortunately, 
the all bench lineups have kind of sucked. So, you know, you have guys like DeLon Wright who aren't in the rotation in favor of guys like, and I love this guy, Lou Williams, who probably shouldn't be at this time. You know what I mean? He should be like a situational closer. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, some concerns for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, let's let's keep going. Let's um, let's go to your. I guess we're getting a little higher to the top, middle, middle of the packs, the upper echelon, the top. Let's go on to uh, what you got going on next, Donald. All right, so these are the teams that I think are pretty much going to be in the playoffs and aren't contenders, at least as mm-hmm. of yet. Yeah, but they'll they'll be a little feisty. So I have the Wizards, the Grizzlies, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Blazers. Hawks, the Mavs, the Raptors. Okay. I, I, I literally threw that over to you next because I knew the Mavericks were going to come next in this spot, and I want to be the one to introduce them. But I'm with you, yeah. So let, let's kind of go into it. We have a few teams that are intriguing here. Uh, Toronto's been a solid team. Don't know if there's anything, like, too crazy I have to say about them, but they've been solid. Let's talk about the Mavericks foremost here. Uh, l- listeners, next time we dive in this, we'll go real in-depth on these guys. Um, I just definitely want to um, – get um a more of an in-depth kind of look at a few teams here before we run you out too long on this power rankings. But uh, since you are the Dallas guy, yeah, I, I'm intrigued to hear your take on just where they stand. And then we can probably touch on these other teams as they, as we allow. So right now, the Mavericks are really bad offensively, like historically bad. And a lot of it, it's not even like they're bad for the Mavericks. They're just flat out really bad. And it's kind of hard to think of that when you have a guy like Luca. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, like a lot of it's just that they're not hitting their shots. Like I think four of their six top shooters are under 40% right now. And overall, it's just like they're generating really good looks. So like shotquality.com, I like to look at just to kind of get an idea of what kind of looks teams are getting. Mm-hmm. And they're still one of the best offenses in terms of actually generating clean looks. It's just a lot of the guys haven't been hitting. And slowly, you're starting to see guys start hitting the shots in the last couple of games. Um, but it's just been a weird start. Jalen Brunson has been, like, a hero. He has been the Mavs' best player so far. Yeah. He got and, shot from Pop. Yeah, he has been incredible. Just, like, we always knew he can beat a scorer who would get to the rim. But his pull-up shots have been great this year. And as a facilitator, he's just been really good and really anchoring that second unit. And even when we start him for a couple of games next to Luka, he's been great. So he's going to get paid this summer. Hopefully the Mavs will actually pay him. <laughs> but, you have my um, hope on that? I think at this point they're going to have to. They don't really have a choice. The Goran Dragic pipe dreams are... I mean, the Raptors aren't even playing Dragic, so maybe there's a chance, but it's weird. But, yeah, this team just – it feels like we haven't really learned much. Like, defensively, I think they do look a lot better than the last couple years, Mm -hmm. and you can see some improvement. Porzingis just looks good moving, and he's become a lot better of a facilitator. There will be a lot of times where they'll throw to him in the post, and he won't really look to score immediately. He'll rather just survey the field and figure out who's cutting and who's open and make a lot better decisions. And he's not trying to overdo a lot of things. Like last couple of years, you'll see him where he'll get a mismatch and immediately try to back him down and go to a fadeaway. 
This time he's kind of really just looking to drive more as opposed to shoot. Mm-hmm. And he's been a lot better at like that. He definitely, I, I see what you mean. He definitely has been. If he's more in, a, I guess, a defined role, I guess you can see him really start to flourish. Yeah, I think it just a lot of it is the Mavs are want to play. Like right now, Maxi Kleber's been hurt, and he's our other stretch big, and he's been incredible, especially that game against the Spurs where he had like six blocks within the first half. Mm-hmm. But um, with him out for these last two weeks, um, They've been playing a lot of Dwight Powell and they're having to play another big next to Porzingis. And whenever that happens, it just Porzingis ends up kind of being in the corner or you put Dwight Powell or Willie Coley Stein in the corner and no one's going to respect them. So the spacing is just a little bit off. I think once Kleba gets healthy, they'll start to see the mass be a lot better. And a lot of these guys like Reggie Bullock, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, they'll start hitting their shots at some point. So I'm not too worried about them. I mean, Luca hasn't even looked like Luca yet. I'll have some flashes, but he still feels that looks like he's kind of getting back into rhythm and getting his shots up. And he had a great game winner, but it's not like he has had any really signature games yet. Yeah. No. Uh, well, funny though, that with that game winner, I got a little piece of a, you probably already know this being the Mavs fan that you are here, but with that game winner, that is his third game winning buzzer beater. This is his fourth season that matches Dirk Nowitzki for the most in Mavericks history. I thought that Dirk had more three game winners in 21 years. And then you have three game winners in four years for Doncic. Yeah. Luca's just, he's a different animal. They, 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 they move different. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't move the same. And that's saying a lot for a legend like Dirk, but yeah, I agree. Like that's, that's wild. That's just wild. He is. I came in. It's one against the Clippers, one against the, uh, one against the Clippers, Boston. one against Boston, and actually two against Boston now. Two against Boston, which is what sure. makes that game entirely fascinating. Is the fact that he's hit all his game winners from the exact same spot. He's had the Clippers one in the playoffs. He had the Memphis floater. He had the game one against Boston last year, and then he had another one against Boston this year. And I just find it hilarious that. Boston saw what he did to them last year, and they still let him go to the left and get yeah. off a three. And what's even worse is that it was Josh Richardson who was guarding him, who was there for that game. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, he, he would know you would think better than most. You saw what happened last time. You were part of it. Why you were there. You again? I know history, man, repeating itself. It's it's a sad tense sometimes, but especially with Josh Richardson, what a lost season he's had. Uh, what a lost three seasons he's had since um since um he was in Miami. I feel like just, he just hasn't been the same. Yeah, and then the other part of that trade, Seth Curry, has been tragic for us. Just seeing him ball out. Oh, Seth Curry's been the best player in the Sixers. In fact, let's go. I guess we're in our top ten now. Let's kind of go on into the next next tier here because um. Yeah, we got to bring up the Sixers as well. But I, I guess in mine, I, I kind of have a group of uh, the Knicks. I have the Wizards. I have the Nuggets. Of course, you have Chicago. Um, I have my Lakers here too, uh, although they probably slip more to the back half of that and have the Blazers. Yeah. Um, I mean, let, let's talk about the Lakers. Do you want yeah, to yeah. that? Yeah, let's just, let's just do it. I, 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 I just, we're, 
we're not a good team. Like we're we're a we're a weird team. We're a weird team. It's just it, it's just. All right, let me start with this. I love Russell Westbrook. I'm a West Westbrook fan. I think we all know this. I did not want him to be on the Lakers just because of times like this. I thought that Russell Westbrook would not be able to change the way that he plays. It just didn't seem like something he's able to do. He goes one direction. I was listening to um, Laker Film Room on his podcast um, just earlier, and he was basically comparing Russell Westbrook to the firebender from uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, and I thought that was a perfect analogy. Like, Westbrook is the firebender, but, like, he goes one – that's all he does. And like, if it's controlled in the right environment, then it can be great. If it's let loose, it can damage everything and go crazy. And that's what it's been doing for LA. Unfortunately, the poor roster construction by Rob Palenka, which I actually was on top of, so I'm not jumping on it in a negative way. I'm just saying that it's poor because it just is. We have no forwards, really. We have a plethora of guards and two bigs who, unfortunately, at this stage of their career, are not good fits for the Lakers. Um, you have uh, DeAndre Jordan, who gives you exactly one good possession on any one turn. So offensively, he goes up for the lob. If not, that's it. Defensively, make one good rotation, maybe attempt to block a shot. If he does it, great. That's it. Like, that's that's all that's there. Like, it's 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 just, it's it's not... It's not great. And then Dwight Howard, defensively solid. He knows kind of where to be. Um, you know, he sets good picks. He rolls well, but he's going to be 36. He moves slow, you know. And so oftentimes, Russ on the pick and roll will, you know, get a good solid pick from Dwight. And then um, he'll zoom off and then he'll throw the ball where he thinks Dwight should be. But Dwight has probably at this point just started really getting his motor going to rumble to the rim. And the ball just goes out of bounds, whatever the case may be. And that's not to fault Dwight at all. It's really more of a miscommunication on Russ's part. You have to look at the man before you give him the ball, but it's just showing where these guys are. But the problem is, uh, you know, please, if there's any injury to, you know, AD, like you are stuck playing either a monster supersized lineup that can't switch. If you have to play a, you know, Jordan and um, Dwight heavy minutes, but also like what you can't play Carmelo at the five and you don't have another player on that team who can play the five. I just don't understand it. Add to that the fact that defense sucks across the board. Um, as I'm recording this, the Lakers literally just eked out a, a three-point win over Miami. And it, it was in despite of themselves. So you had all that happen. That was a mess. Offensively, they're not great. It's really your turn, my turn. When LeBron's not there, it's it's just it's straight murder. Like it's it's just been a bad way all around. Um and that that's that's where I'm at here. I just I'm just shocked and horrified at what this team is and what they've become. But I don't see a way that they can get better right now. You are you gonna trade Russ? It's possible, I'm sure, but like that that that's Who's it. I him? mean, huh? Who's taking him? OKC? Just send him another <laughs> pick. I'll take him. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious, man. That'd be funny. But like, yeah, that, that's like the only team I can think of offhand. I mean, everyone can see these performances. Like, it, it, it's just, it, it's been rough. It has been rough across the board. You hope LeBron comes back. You hope that Taylor Horn Tucker and um, Kendrick Nunn and Trevor Rees, all these guys who have been out for a while, come back, you know, and maybe they help out, restore some balance. But, like, even then, this team is just flawed, you know? I, I, I just fundamentally flawed. And I go from, I thought they were going to be a pretty solid uh, bet for a finals contending team. And now I'm like, I, I don't know. Maybe if we get into the playoffs, we can see what happens, which is not what I suspected I would ever think for a team that has 
um, LeBron James. Yeah, so like the whole thing with the Russ trade was that you wanted Russ because of the games when you don't have LeBron or AD. You wanted a guy who can carry your offense and just kind of win you games, which Russ has been able to do in previous occasions. But with the Lakers, he hasn't been able to do that. Like he'll have some good moments and good quarters, but he just it doesn't look like he's figured out how to play with these guys yet. Carmelo has been probably like the best story so far. Of the Easily, yes. Being a solid floor spacer, and even that just doesn't feel that good because of how bad the Lakers have looked. Like, okay, you can't lose twice in a row to OKC when you have a lead on them. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It, it's just it, the both of those losses, Anarud, I like to take and just put in the back corner of my mind. And then close that door and then light a match and set the door on fire because those were just humiliating. It was a lack of, it was like a combination of pitiful defense, um, incoherent offense, lack of respect for your opponent. I think a little bit of that came into play and just the inability to close a game. And not only did, I mean, the one, there's one game that the Thunder eked out, but like the other game, they, they, they won pretty comfortably. They came back, they took control, they won the game. You can't have that. You're not a team. This is a, a schedule the Lakers are on that is heavy on, 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 home games and also against subpar competition. I mean, what they had the Warriors and Suns, they lost those games. They had the heat as I'm recording tonight, they won that game. But like, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, LeBron, like you're just hoping at this point that once you get LeBron back, this team will be fine, which they probably will be. LeBron's that good, Mm. but they just look really sluggish without him. And the defense just – this was a team that was built on defense for the last two years. Yeah. And even if their offense was sluggish, their defense was elite. And right now it just it's really bad. It, it really – yeah. It, it's been really, really rough. And I just – I don't know. I, I look at hope like, okay, we're just live reaction, might as well, with the Lakers winning tonight. Like, they had a tough – they had a great game. Malik Monk, 27 points, 10 of 13 shooting. Westbrook had his best game as a Laker, I think. He had a triple-double, which usually means good things outside the last one he had, which was ridiculous. But 25 points, 14 rebounds, 12 assists, and actually a pretty decent efficiency. Um, I mean, it, it was good. I mean, it was without LeBron James, without Trevor Reza, without Kendrick Nunn, without Rajon Rondo or um, Austin Reeves. Like, they missed a lot of guys. They were definitely shorthanded, but they played really well. Like, that's – there's, I guess, a blueprint there. If Russ was more efficient, you know, if um, some of these guys had more balanced scoring, but like, I don't expect Avery Bradley to knock down five threes every other game. I don't expect Malik Monk to go for 27. Like, yes, he has the talent. That's why he's a lottery pick. Like, he flashes it, but like, consistently, I don't know. Melo had 12 points. We definitely fell down a little bit, but like, you look at this game, it's like, great. But do I see something to build off of? Maybe I see it as something Lakers can look back on when they're in another tough situation. Going, okay, you know what? We can draw strength from the fact that we've been in a situation that was worse and we performed, but like, I didn't see, okay. Their defense got better. Like I want to see more their defense in this game, by the way, for the record did look better. I just want to come away with the Lakers seeing some sustainable, like tenants. I can say, you know what? Okay. They've improved markedly in this department, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's a weird team right now. And I think we'll just have to see how they play so far. Like I think Butler left this game today yeah just sprained but, his ankle in the first quarter and then when he went yeah. back got street clothes that for the he was out like out so yeah they definitely were down 
um, significantly with Butler. I think it would it probably would have been a totally different conversation had he been in there. Um, just with the way, the, even as good as the Lakers are defending, that's another weapon they had to account for. And Bam Adebayo had 28 big points. He did foul out in overtime. Yeah. But yeah, this team is just, they haven't looked good so far. Yep. That's true. They just haven't. It's been, it's been a rough, rough ride for them for sure. But, um, let's kind of go to our final little, let's get, let's get them all in one big gulp and then pick out the ones we like best. I imagine, um, Philadelphia, I mean, I guess it's one little sub tier. You have Philadelphia, you have Utah, you have Brooklyn. Um, you have uh, Miami, but then you have a team that right now is in a class all their own, and that's the nine and one Golden State Warriors. Yep, uh, the Warriors. Okay, let's let, let me just go on the Heat real quick. I'll, I'll say the Warriors. Yeah, for yeah, last. we'll say the Warriors for last. No, that makes sense. However, you want to go. I just want to get the last group out and just make sure I set them for you. So. They've been ridiculous, really ridiculously good, the Heat. So, like, they're moving the ball really well. Um, Kyle Lowry, you can definitely tell his impact, especially in transition. Like, he's really good at just getting the ball off the floor immediately and getting guys some good looks. And he hasn't really needed to score a lot of these games. He's just been kind of like a facilitator and letting things go on. And their defense, we all know it's going to be elite. And they've just been good so far. They have been very, very solid. I just, I don't know. It's been, it, it's been just a, a shocker in terms of how well they perform. I thought this team could be good, but you have Steph Curry just going on just massive runs. You have great play um, from Draymond Green, inspired play from him. You have guys stepping like Otto Porter off the bench. Jordan Poole's been a revelation at that shooting guard spot, holding it down until Clay Thompson returns. Um, Andre Godala has shown some a lot more juice left in his legs. It's been a team performance up and down. Andrew Wiggins has been solid. Gary Payton of the second has just had an unexpected boost to this team as their 15th guy. He's been a great defensive uh, spark for them and also just given some very, very good dunks. Like, this team has just rolled. They have just rolled. They have, and I don't know, they have Minnesota next, which I would imagine another victory for, or they have Minnesota, I'm sorry. Um, so they're 10-1 right now after having beat Atlanta. Uh, they have a fun game Friday against Chicago. That'll be interesting. And they have Charlotte, which would be another interesting game. But they already beat, played Charlotte and beat them pretty uh, convincingly. So I'm looking at the Chicago game as a very fun matchup. Yeah, the Warriors have just been rolling at this point. And I mean, you kind of tell early on, like, the whole thing with the Warriors offense, like, they tried doing the thing with Wiseman and just kind of play with your young guys and belt them. But the whole Warrior system is built on guys just knowing what to do and being smart and moving the ball and really weaponizing Steph's off-ball movement. With guys like Kelly Oubre, you just couldn't do that as much. But now you have guys like Bielitsa, Otto Porter, and Draymond's looking good. Like they're just they're really clicking. Jordan Poole's been great so far. Um, and then once you get Clay back, they'll be good. And their defense has been probably the best defense in the NBA right now. Yes, very overall. very solid. Been a surprise like, personally. You saw what Draymond did last year, but just in general, like everyone's playing hard and just a solid team. And I think right now they're. They're the best team in the NBA. They're playing like it. And, yeah, they haven't played a tough schedule, but they played so well in each of their games that it just doesn't feel like it's a team that's going to struggle anytime soon. 
No, I I was saying I want the Lakers to have some sustainable tenets of like, okay, this is how we can get victories. Like we see that with Golden State, you know, like Steph Curry's not cooling off, but it's not just Steph Curry. It's all these other guys that are playing well as well. You know, um, it's the defense that's been inspired and all over the place, been frenetic. And you have a lot of weapons able to let, um, you know, Steph run around and, and do the off ball movement that really just runs teams ragged. And yeah, you see it. It's, it's, it's obvious how clearly improved this Golden State Warriors team has been. And like you said, I could see them being 13 and one by the end of this. I mean, or 12 and one by the end of this, because they have Chicago and they have Charlotte. Chicago's, Chicago's going to be a nice test. Charlotte will be a fun game as usual, but like, Golden State could very easily be 12-1 and by the time this week's over. I think, like, they'll probably have be, have a good chance against Chicago just because their defense is elite. And, yes, yeah, Chicago has Lonzo and Crusoe who can probably chase Steph around, but this the Golden State Warriors offense is just such a unique system that it's hard to defend against, especially with the way just Steph moves. Mm-hmm. And – you get Clay back. This is going to be a solid team. And, yeah, I think, like, the biggest thing is just see, like, how much can Draymond keep this up and be this elite defender. But I don't see it slowing down anytime soon to being, like, anything worse than top 10. Yeah, exactly. I think that where this team is, I think, is, is they'll probably be top 10, like, just moving forward, yeah. wouldn't you think? Yeah. Like, this team is a, is a squad. Um, aside from that, not a whole lot to add for some of these teams. I think that Milwaukee, they're going to be better. Uh, they've dropped um, – well, they dropped five of their six games before uh, beating both Philadelphia and the Knicks. So they have Boston and Atlanta left. Uh, Drew Holiday's back, but Chris Middleton's been out. Um, and NBA health and safety protocols, and Brooke Lopez also had a back issue. So when they get healthier, they'll be good for sure. Um, Chicago's been nice. Uh, definitely excited by – the way they've worked together, only three players in the NBA are averaging more points per game than both DeRozan and Levine, who are both at 26 points per. That's been fun. Um, they had a fun Brooklyn game. Uh, and then, of course, uh, beat Dallas. They have Golden State, the game we talked about, and they have the Clippers. So they have a fun little match coming up as well. Denver has been interesting, although I do worry about them with Michael Porter out for a while with his back. Um, and also missing Jamal Murray, although they beat the Pacers without any of them, including Jokic, who was out for that suspension. Um, real quick, Anurud, what was your take on the uh, Morris-Jokic spat fallout? Okay, first of all, the NBA needs to reevaluate their decision-making. How do you suspend Jokic and not suspend Morris? Totally like agree. the dumbest thing I've seen. Like, okay, you had Morris. The game was clearly over. The Nuggets were beating the Heat. It wasn't even close. And Morris comes in to do a take foul, which I think still needs to get rid of in the NBA. I, I hate the take foul. But even then, if all you want to do is just get a foul. All you have to do is slap his hand or just grab him. Morris decides, I'm just going to jump into him and elbow him and knee him. And then Jokic gets pissed. And yes, Morris is turned around. I don't think it matters. If you hit someone, don't turn around. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. That's like I true. I keep hearing people saying like, "Oh, but it's different because Jokic hit him from the back." It's like, no, no. He who he does that? And doesn't, exactly. Who does that and doesn't expect a retaliation for that type of play? All the drama between Jokic's brothers and the Morris twins is something <laughs> I will pay to watch. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, dude. That was hilarious. It was. The it was a they made a Twitter account just to message them. The fact they signed off. 
the Jokic the fact brothers. they signed off the Jokic brothers had me laughing. Like the Mario brothers, like that's hilarious to me, man. Also, Marcus Morris's tweet that like, oh, he hit someone with when he wasn't looking. It's like, no, you've done the exact same thing. Don't yeah. act like this is a one-time thing. Like you did this exact same thing to Luca, and you didn't get suspended or anything. So like, stop complaining. You said, I mean, I thought the TNT guys said it great. It was, you're going to hit someone, be ready to get hit back. Mm -hmm. And just go from there. And just go from there. I agree with you completely. It's just, ah, man. Eh, Yikes. I don't know. I I do love the clip of Tyler Tyler Hero just like walking up to say something and then deciding, nope, and just walking away. That is the quickest business decision I've seen. And Jokic keeps getting guys like that. Devin, at least Devin Booker stood there for a second. Like, Devin Booker did very similar. Like, he got up there and then was like, oh, once he saw Jokic in his face, like, okay, my bad, sort of. But, like, Tyler start like, he's, listen, if you looked at Tyler Hero's social media, you saw his boxing videos and stuff. His, like, he's, he's not that guy. He's not that guy. No. Not that guy. And, like, it takes, I think, a lot of self-awareness to understand you're not that guy. Uh, he didn't have that self awareness because he started to think he was that guy, and then he quickly reevaluated. He's a foot taller than you, and he's huge. He's gonna crush you. And the thing is, Jokic is a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's not even the type of guy who wants to just fight anyone. Like his brother's an MMA fighter. I just, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. You said it. Like, like this, this isn't no. This isn't what you think it is. Like, like, like that's that's kind of what it is. Like, it's a different level. I'm not saying we're promoting violence or want uh, NBA, UFC crossover or anything like that. But like, some people don't. They, you just don't want the smoke. Nope. Not with the Jokic brothers. They will. They will wreck you. I don't care who you are. They will. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 you said it. They, they, <laughs> they definitely will, and they, they're they're just scary people in general. They're just scary people in general. So, do you uh, want to talk about Harden? Yeah, because he's been. What do you think it is? Do you think it's the rule change? Do you think it's a decline in this game? Let's talk about. It. I mean, clearly, the rule change is affecting him. He's not getting to line as much, but it, like Harden's a good shooter. Mm-hmm. So it's not like his game is dependent on the line. Like I think this idea that oh he's gonna he's struggling just because of the rule change is kind of dumb. Like no, these are all good players. They'll figure it out. Yeah, but he just seems like he's not driving as much and he's turning over the ball a lot. And it's just it's weird. Like KD, the like yes net rating and stuff is like not a great indicator of this early, but. Mm-hmm. With KD on the floor, without Harden, he's like a plus 30. And with the two of them together, they're like a minus 15. Wow. And it's just Harden's been really slow. Like, he's had some solid games recently, but it just doesn't look like they figured it out yet. I just, yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's going to – I don't know. Like, I think Brooklyn is definitely a team that is a championship contender. Like, of course. Even without Kyrie, like, it felt a little bit to me. But, like, the talent of James Harden and, like, Kevin Durant is huge. It's immense. Unfortunately, I just didn't think that they would be like this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and when I say they, I don't – actually, I don't even mean to say they because Kevin Durant's been nothing but superb. I think he had um, 11 to 12 from the field tonight. 
um, as a McCoyness in the Nets, just easy 30-point win over the Magic, which is the highest percentage, 90% from the field in a 30-point game he's ever had in his career. Like, Durant is, is that guy. He's fine. He's okay. But, like, Harden has definitely looked very, very mortal. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely been something that has been um, interesting to look at, even though the Nets have, you know, quietly kind of won a few in a row um here outside of losing to chicago they won five in a row lost to chicago now beat orlando and they have only the pelicans and okc coming up so like they could easily kind of get back into a good swing and finish this like 10 and 3 11 and 3 yeah uh, i mean they'll, they'll they'll probably end up being better but it's just it's a weird team for sure for sure so this has been interesting for sure man um uh, we, I, I almost want to re. I'm gonna rename this on the fly. I'm gonna say we did like a, a team recap because we kind of went in on like a little bit of everything here. Uh, definitely had a little bit of. Um, I, I could have went a little bit into Utah, which they've been fine. I don't really know. Donovan Mitchell's been great. Twenty five points, seven rebounds, six assists while Conley was out. Um, he sits out the one game of back to backs now with uh, his uh, maintenance plan, and two of the Jazz three losses have occurred when they haven't had Conley there. But like. Conley's been, you know, Conley's been solid. The Jazz has been a solid team. Joe Ingles has been weird. Phoenix has been okay. Chris Paul um, jumped into history, passing uh, um, Mark Jackson and Steve Nash to jump number three on the all-time assist list, um, which that's Hit great. Is number two, right? Yeah. Hit and Stockton. No one's matching Stockton. No one's touching Stockton. and But, but the fact that kid, kids in play, Certainly, it's it's definitely gonna be interesting. It's definitely gonna be interesting. But um, well, the monitor that sounds a bit okay. Mess to deal with. Oh yes, aye, aye, aye. that's gonna be. I need to probably bring you back on to talk about that in a little bit on route because that's a whole nother yeah. mess for sure. But and then just briefly, the Sixers like yeah, solid, even yeah. without Embiid like being Embiid, and a lot of his Seth Curry has been fantastic. You said it. Seth Curry's been on fire for this Philadelphia team, almost single-handedly keeping them going, alongside some timely play by Forkhan Korkmaz as well, because Tobias Harris has been out due to health and safety protocol. You had Embiid going to rest the game, and then he was out with health and safety protocol. Uh, you just had uh, guys going down, and yet Danny Green's been injured, and yet they still have been ripping off some really good wins. So you definitely have to give them credit for that. They did lose to – they did go in a little bit of a slide, um, losing to the Knicks in Milwaukee. Um, but they're right up in there. Nobody, if you would have said to anybody before the season started that the 76 would play 10 games without the services of X, Y, Z player and yet still be with this record, I would be get out of here. And I'm sure you would as well. So the fact they're doing this right now, Doc Rivers teams, I will say this, like they have a tendency to like, uh, you know, choke at times, but they also have a penchant for thriving despite adversity just when you least expect it. Yeah, there's a, Doc Rivers is the kind of guy who like thrives under chaos. I feel like there needs to be something going on for him to do well. Yeah, yeah, you said it. Like something ha- you literally said it has to go a certain way forward. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is, man. But that's the team. And when we do this again next week, y'all, we will have a little more in depth. I was happy to get my my friend here on the route on on the route. Thank you. He was flexible with me again. We were supposed to do this the day before. Um, I had notes written down. A lot of them I felt were too um, dated already because a whole new set of games passes, and I dropped the ball there. So we will definitely improve on that this next week. But on the man, as always, you were great. Thank you for coming on and doing this with me, and I look forward to making this a regular thing now. Yeah.
for sure, always man. Always happy to be here. Always, man, definitely. And for the rest of y'all, I know where to find um check out on the podcast. It's exclusive guests right here. Like you want to get us content, you come to Round Ball Ramble. That's how we do it here. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Um, hoop ball on Twitter at hoop ball tweets online hoop dash ball.com. Still have some games to uh go into here in the future, just recapping some of the action. I'm going to do my weekly superlatives, get that whole thing started again. We got to get round ball ramble up. We uh have had a little bit of a stutter sputter start, so I'm gonna take this week to really make sure I'm short up and ready to fire back. But uh, yeah, this week's gonna be a fun one for sure. Um, definitely make sure to tune in. On that, and uh, yeah, for Honor Rude, for myself, we are frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I'll talk to y'all real soon. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.